0: The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change, too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SpringFree for one month on the plan of your choice, courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O dot com, and use Spring Free to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Don Yeager. Don spent 12 years as the associate editor of Sports Illustrated, where he worked on some of the world's most significant and groundbreaking stories that they ever covered. He conducted over 2,000 interviews with people ranging from presidents of the United States to some of the greatest athletes of our time. Don's been interviewed over a hundred times on prevalent shows like Oprah, Nightline, Good Morning America, and every major news outlet. In addition, Don has authored more than two dozen books including 11 New York Times bestsellers, and he delivers a hundred keynote speeches each year around topics like topics related to achieving greatness. In particular, Don speaks on what makes the great ones great, what makes the great teams great, and what makes a great teammate. As a result, today, Don gets to consult with some of the most successful teams and team leaders worldwide, and that's why I've got him here today. I first learned about Don when Simon Sinek called him the greatest storyteller of our time. And with accolades like that, I had no choice but to take the time to learn about Don and consume as much of what he has to offer as I could. I am pumped to bring Don to our show. Each of our listeners, you're going to have a great treat today. Listen to him speak about building great teams and how we as leaders can better use storytelling inside our sales organizations. Don... So excited to welcome you to our show, and thanks for joining us.
1: Rob, thank you. Thanks for having me, and my mother couldn't have written that introduction any better. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm excited. that I've been wanting to have an expert on storytelling join our show for a while. It's one of the most important topics that a sales team and a sales leader can address right now. and and, uh, I, I, am really, really grateful that you would take a little bit of time and talk to our leaders today. So I'm excited. Why don't we start by having you introduce yourself and your organization and what you do for your customers?
1: Awesome. Yeah, no, I, so as you mentioned, I was a longtime writer at sports Illustrated. retired from there. They, they did an early retirement option, uh, a few years back and it worked out perfectly for me, uh, because I, um, I was a reasonably new dad and I, I had, uh, Uh, Realized that being on the road 200 days a year just wasn't a a sustainable lifestyle as a father. So, um, taking control of my calendar and schedule was really important. Uh, I started doing some corporate speaking engagements, started, continued to write books. And, um, and, and then, you know, most recently during the pandemic, one of the great challenges was I was looking at neat and creative ways to continue staying engaged with people. And I, I started building a podcast interviewing. C level executives about um, lessons they could they had learned from their life uh, as an athlete um, where where they had played sports at some previous uh, uh, sector of their life and so it's turned into just uh, again I, <clears throat> I I know you and I are similar in that we both hear people we hear events we see moments and we think of them as potential stories. We think of them as, um, as potential lessons. And, uh, I think it drives my kids crazy, but everything, <laughs> uh, I do believe there's something in just about everything we do that, that can be, that can find their way into one of those two categories.
0: Well, I'll, I'll, start, you know, I'll interrupt here. This will be the first of several times I'll do it for our listeners. If you don't follow Don, by the time you get done listening to this, this episode, once it goes live, uh, take the time to find them on LinkedIn and connect. I I love reading your content, man. I mean, you you had a uh, post on LinkedIn where you did that, exactly that. Talked about a famous shot from the Masters from Bubba Watson and the life lesson that comes from it. So I I hope many of our listeners will start reading your content and seeing those stories from those lessons that you just referred to because they're fantastic. So, well, and that I think
1: is the real. You know, I know our topic today is storytelling, and I think. Um, the One of the most important lessons in storytelling is keeping your eyes open, right? That everybody thinks the story is whatever they've been given or told they have to tell if it's a, a company story, for example. But the company story can be found on a website, right? Your story within the company is the story that uh, that, a, that a prospect or that someone might really want to learn from. And that's the story that you have to learn to tell right? We can all learn to tell, um, well, here's why our product is better than its three, uh, greatest competitors. But why are you working there? What, what is it about, you know, what, is there someone that works with you, uh, that, that truly inspires you? Is there a customer that you've, um, that you've encountered over the course of your time, um, that's changed the way you've seen something in the world? Is there, what is it about, I mean, in all the places you could work, why are you working here? And when people learn to develop their own story, especially their own story within the confines of the company or the organization they work with, man, that's uh, there's power in that. And um,
0: and I and I know that's kind of where we're going today. All right, man, you got me excited. So I, I mm-hmm. I'm everybody that listens to the show knows that I'm a self-professed sports nut, and I, I love your your way that you've taken your life as a writer of sports and the impact because sports is a lot more than sports. I mean, the stories you covered sports had all kinds of ties to politics and big issues in life. And, and that's why it's so cool that you're finding those stories and pulling them out. And um, I'm really, really excited to have you join us today, Don. Thank you. I I, I'm really excited. So thanks for sharing a little bit about your career. Um, How did you, You know, as you, as you took that early retirement, uh, option that they offered you and you said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. How did you figure out that you could take this angle of I've learned from these great stories and I can help leaders, um, benefit from them? I'm interested in that process because I think it's going to help our leaders as well to just get a little bit of that before we dive into the storytelling concepts.
1: So what, what, it, what had it happened was that in the, so Sports Illustrated had, uh, you know, a de facto speakers bureau, if you will, oh, right? Okay. That if you, um, were an advertiser of a certain level and you were hosting an event, say at the masters and you wanted a writer to step to the front of the, the, the room at, you know, at, at after dinner one night and maybe tell a couple of stories, uh, answer a few questions that that could, that that could happen and that the writer would be additionally compensated, which was always an an important deal to me, right? Um, And uh, so um, I started doing that and I grew to a place where I just really loved the opportunity. Most writers do not love to stand in front of people and do Hmm. uh, the same thing. There's a reason why they've chosen to sit behind a keyboard, right? The written Um,
0: form of communication instead of the oral one, right?
1: And it's two very different art forms, Hmm. right? It's two very different art forms, and 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 if you do the speaking right, if you can tell the very same story right in two different ways, but you if you can tell it in front of an audience, you can read body language. You can see are people engaged? Are they checking out? Was that story too long? Was I mean all of those details start making you better the more practice you get. And so I was doing this pretty regularly, <clears throat> and when the opportunity came up to um, to to retire right it was hard thing to call retiring yeah. at 45 years old but to retire from sports illustrated and to uh, begin kind of a you know whatever that next generation of yeah. life would look like for me
0: yeah
1: 2.0 yeah 2.0 I um I went um I realized I wanted to do more speaking so I went and hired a coach to teach me because I again I'm a big believer in coaches love it and, um as an athlete I believe I, I got better every time I was coached as a as a writer, I got better by editors who served as great coaches. So I went and hired a coach to teach me how to be a better presenter, how to be better as a. Uh, I think I knew the art of storytelling, but what I didn't know was how to do it from the front of a room. And it's a, as I said, it's a slightly different. There's there's some um, different uh, chemistry that's required to to mix uh, a a great speech together than there is a great article. And so different again,
0: now doing it virtually probably too, right?
1: Yep. In fact, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I then had 10 years of doing that out on stages and then suddenly had it all shut down like Mm. everybody else. And what I noticed was that in many, many of my colleagues, many people that I really regard highly as presenters couldn't do this, couldn't do the, the virtual piece because so much of their presentation was um, was uh, involved movement, right? It involved you know I've got to jump from this place on the stage to that one, and 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 now you've got to sit statically and and look into a ring and 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 generate enough energy out of that conversation to still keep people engaged. There were just some people that couldn't that couldn't make that transition and. I had to learn it again. I had to start all over and, and really study who was doing it well. What could I learn from them? What are they doing? Mm. How can I make myself um, valuable in, in a new, in a new platform so
0: I love it well we got this we 're going to run out of time today. Don. I, it happens a lot, and um, I, this is a topic, and you are a guy that i 'm so interested in. But i, I got to get after it because we are going to run out of time. So let's, let's hit it, man. We're going to talk about storytelling. Let's start with the obvious maybe starting point. Why is it so important? I mean, generally it's important, but maybe even now. Why is it so important now?
1: Well, I think it's so important now because the flood of uh, – ways that that people come at us right i mean now you you know you in in 140 well 280 characters right they they're looking to figure out how do i get your attention Uh, linkedin how do i get your attention um i mean there's just so many so many distractive points and and so how do you cut through the noise right well you cut through the noise by telling a story and if you tell the stories well enough um i really i truly believe i mean i've had this experience a number of times People look up at the end and they've not looked at their phone for an hour, which is really difficult to make. people Well,
0: wow, that's saying something today, man. I can tell and, you that's saying something.
1: And and at the end, they look and they said, "Was that really an hour? I cannot believe that just happened." And so, um, I think it's more important because it, it stories are um, they are the great connector, right? There's a reason why why cavemen you know, scribbled on walls, right? And the most important cavemen were the ones who could, who could scribble on walls the best stories. And uh, so, you know, storytelling, um, my, my father used to teach me all the time. My father was a preacher and an okay. amazing, amazing storyteller in his own right. But he used to call it the currency of kings and queens, right? Ooh, um, I like that. If you, can, uh, if you can tell a great story, uh, you could be as wealthy as anyone, um, and, uh, so I, I just, I, I've been working on the currency for quite some time.
0: I love that, man. The currency of Kings and Queens. I think we have a title for our episode there, my friend. <laughs> 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 um, okay. So you're right. I, I like that. We are, we are in a cluttered space. And if we're talking about, like, so let's, you know, let's level set it. Let's, let's, let's ground this again before we, we take off. We're talking to thousands of sales leaders around the world and another thousands of, of high-performing account executives that are you know working to become sales leaders, and, and then a lot of people who support those roles. And they have a mission of connecting either with current customers and clients or prospective customers and clients. And what you just said is dead on. They have never been inundated with as much listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, ever. I mean, we the, the options and ways that you can connect and get messages to people. I mean, now the, the omni-channel approach, it used to be my, my, leads list was a phone book and I had to call people. Now it's all of these things It's social media and there's multiple social media platforms and, and yes, the phone and yes, there's email and yes, there's traditional things and, and people, you know, you do have to cut through the noise and I love that. So what makes for a successful story? Storytelling has been talked about by lots of people. And I almost think that it's been talked about so much, people don't know what it means. And that's why I've taken my time finding who our expert will be to talk about storytelling. Because um, I think that it is a term that might not even be that well understood. So can you talk about what makes for a successful story?
1: Sure. In fact, so one of the things that, um, I referenced my father and i I referenced yeah. that he was a great storyteller. And so, um, uh, and, and this journey for me, this, this ability to kind of not just become a good storyteller, but hopefully teach others on how to do it really started for me when I was, um, in my freshman year of college. I'd come home for Thanksgiving. And, you know, as I mentioned, dad was a minister. My mom worked in a, in a ministry as well. And, and they loved filling our house with um, with people, especially on the holidays, right? That was a big deal for them. They loved inviting people to come and my mother loved to serve food. And okay. so, um but my dad always, you know, he would begin every meal with obviously a prayer, but uh, usually a story before that. And I never paid attention really to what was happening until that freshman year in college when I sat there and I watched my dad do this and I watched the rest of the room watching my dad, right? Instead of watching him, I was watching others be be riveted by the way he told this story about a young man he had just met a few weeks earlier. and by the time he's done with the story, everybody's riveted and then he then my father drops on him that the young man has now joined us for lunch and he's in the back of the room and, this, and you know and it was like whoa, you know and, he, and it hit me, wow, he did exactly what he's always said to me, which is that if you're a great storyteller, you hold the room, right? People will lean forward. To listen to those who, um, who are, uh, are good at, at, at this, at this form of communication. And so, um, I started then picking out great storytellers to study. I'm a huge fan of identifying, uh, I believe success leaves clues, right? We've all heard yes. that phrase, that Love that. Yep. but then the key is to go identify success and seek its clues. Most people say success leaves clues and that's cool. But now what are you doing with that? I go find success and then seek its clues. So I identified, I started picking out great storytellers from Martin Luther King to John F. Kennedy, right? Um, uh, Richard Branson to Elon Musk and just starting to look at the people who could draw others in with their story and, and then looking for common traits. What are they doing? What are the habits that they're, that are, that are coming clear? And, um, and I built because I'm an author, right? I built a bookshelf of the what I think are the ten elements of a really well told story.
0: I can't wait to hear what they are.
1: <laughs> and so, well, one of the things we're going to do for your for your audience, Rob, you and I talked about it earlier. Yeah. Is, you know, I've actually got it into a little workbook that I that I give when I deliver this message in longer form for Simon Sinek and and his uh, his audience um, and other groups. We have a workbook built, and I'm going to give that workbook to anybody who, who um, sends a message to us out of this podcast. So we'll, we'll deal with that later.
0: Yeah, we'll deal with that later, but let's give a preview on it. Just so everybody knows, we're going to have it in the show notes. I'll also post the link to it on LinkedIn and some other places. We're going to promote it. This is a huge gift from Don that I'm excited to be able to, to bring to you. Don, so grateful that you would share it with him. I can't wait to get into what the elements are, though.
1: Well, it's awesome. So the two bookend elements are the two that I talk about all the time that are most important, right? And this is where most, I think most storytellers fail. And that's one, um, know your audience, right? And it's, it's crazy because you think, oh, well, that's easy. Uh, of course, I know my audience. They're buying from me. Well, what do you know about your audience? What do you really, if let's say it's an opportunity to be one-on-one, right? With, with Rob Jepson, right? Well, I, I, went to work on understanding your time at uh, at BYU and I wanted I wanted to know about you before we got on this before I first met with you. I did a full I I, I took 10 minutes to do a quick research package on Rob Jepson, right? I know <laughs> how many times you failed classes.
0: <laughs> hey, keep okay. that one on the down low, man.
1: Okay. <laughs> gonna, but the bottom line was I I dig in on anybody I'm going to really try to develop a relationship with because people Listen to people they know care about them, right, and one of the ways you show that you care about somebody is you learn about them before you meet them right you you and you show them that with a simple nod to what have you with an with an uh, yeah well i was I, I read that you went to b y u and that you played basketball and you know um, tell me about that period and when I can ask you a question about you, what makes me, people love to talk about themselves, right? When I'm asking you a question about you that shows that I've spent time learning who you are, learning what drives you, right? I'm looking, I'm looking for real quick. Um, is there a charity you're deeply involved in? You know, what can I learn without being creepy, right? About your children, about your love of your, what you do with your children, hiking, your love of the outdoors. Um, when I know these details and I can reflect them back to you, first off, you're immediately attracted to me and you're ready to listen whatever I have to say because they know that I have I've learned something about you prior to prior to the start. So knowing your audience Hey and Don, knowing- can I
0: interrupt for one second? I hate to do it because you're rolling, but I want my listeners to pick up what you just laid down. You just said something massively important that I just can't bro- go by, okay? Sorry, man. It's not enough to just do your homework and know it. You don't just say, oh, by the way, I noticed this. And I, you just spit off that I, I found out that you played basketball or that you worked at Sports Illustrated or whatever. But you added something very, very easy for people to pick up. Ask a question about it, right? So interesting because it's not just, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Thanks for noticing. It's like, no, I'm going one, de- one level deeper. I'm going to ask you a question about it. That's what makes it not creepy, right? so let me let me
1: actually take this deeper because i I teach it as a series of concentric circles, right perfect. The outside circle is that you research people right it's a It's pretty simple you and again, in this day and age it's inexcusable, especially if you're in the sales business, right not have done research, and people say, "Well, gosh, what if my audience is a thousand people? Well, you know what that's pretty cool. What you need to do is ask first off, let's learn about collectively what are they struggling with, what can we know about them but secondly. Is there a, um, are there, are there five members of the audience that they can let you know something about in advance? Can they, and, and, or give you the names of five members of the audience? No audience appreciates it more than when you can actually call out and say, you know, and as I was preparing for today and I, and I, and Rob, Rob Jepson, Rob, where are you? Right. Rob, you know, by the way, as I was looking at this related and I thought about our, our topic today, I thought, man, this is really going to resonate for you. And people are going, "Wow, that's a speech he probably gives five times a week." But, but for today, he actually called out someone in our audience. What if it's just it totally changes the dynamic of the way people see you when they've been, when you've invested in learning about them. So the outside circle is research, right? Okay. The next concentric circle is connection, and what you're looking for in connection is what have I learned about you that I might also have a relationship to, right? I noticed that you are, uh, that you love uh, make a wish, for example, right? Let's just take that. And uh, uh, that you have, you've posted a couple of different times in the last three months about make a wish. Well, by the way, Hey, I, you know, I don't know what your relationship is to make a wish, but I love that you love the organization. I happen to serve on the board. And you know what? Make a wish becomes now our common ground. Right? As opposed, it's not about selling you something. We've now I found something in my research that makes us common, which is awesome. And that allows me to go to the centerpiece of the concentric circles, which is it allows me to, to dig deeper, to ask questions of you that I might not otherwise be able to ask to um, uh, inspire a comfort in you that you wouldn't naturally have with a person trying to sell you something because you're um, so, so So great you're doing it. But when you follow that, that simple model, what you find is that when you get to the middle, you can, you can ask questions you wouldn't otherwise ask. You can, you can uh, learn things you would never learn otherwise, and you can be of service to them in ways that they would never expect him to be served.
0: Don, that's fantastic. And I'm sorry that I pushed pause. I'm famous for this on our show. I'm sorry, I should have given you a heads up that I'm, no, I'm famous, for. So let's push pause. But that is so relevant to our sales leaders. That's gold, man. That's so great. And, and you're right. If you, if you can know your audience, it's one thing to say, know your audience. You just gave us a great framework that they can use with their salespeople right now on showing that you know who they are, and so they are much more likely to say, okay, this person maybe does have something that I should listen to. So thank you. So let's keep moving. I'm sorry that I slowed you down, but that was awesome.
1: So I know today we're really only going to get to the bookends in the time we have, but the other bookend is is, um, defining and being extraordinarily intentional with your call to action right? It's amazing to me how many people don't, in in telling us, they don't think of a story as leading you to a call to action. I don't think there's any reason to tell a story that doesn't have a call to action, right? Because a call to action to me is what do you want them to do, think, or feel when they're done listening to you? Do, think, or feel. And so if I'm telling you a story, it's because I want to bring you someplace. And I want you to do, feel, or think something when you're done listening to it. Um, and, and, and hopefully, uh, sometimes that might just be, I want you to think I'm more interesting and you'd love to spend more time with me, yep. right? Yep. Sometimes it might be, wow, that guy could solve a problem for me, for our organization, for whatever, whatever it is. If, if you, but you have to know what you want at the end, it's, it's Stephen Covey, right? Begin with the end, in mind. the end of mind. Yep. If you, if you know what you have, if what you want at the end, and you, and you know how to intentionally bring the story in for a landing mm. to that spot, then, then what you do between, obviously there's some habits and some things and ways to do it really well, but what you do between is really in service of both of those things, right? Who am I talking to and where do I want them to go? And if you have those two things in mind in everything you do, in building out your story, your connection, what you find is that you it's you you create something that will leave them
0: wowed. So is one harder than the other? I'm I'm now I'm taking the bookends, the beginning and the end. You're right, you know. Know your audience. I get it. Be able to come in for a landing. I love the visual of that. I love. I'm so glad you said that because sometimes, like a story, you may think like. Where's this going, right? But the ability to bring it in for is, is one more important than the other? Is one more difficult than the other? For you yeah. as a professional storytelling teacher, I mean, are they equally important? Any, can, I, any think they're equally,
1: <laughs> I think they're equally important because if you, if you do one or not the other, you, really, it, you, <clears throat> you could still tell a great story, yeah. but, but it won't have impact. It won't have the, hmm. the, the greatest potential impact, and so
0: that's really important. So you got to answer the so what for sure. Exactly. All right. So let's, 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 I'm um, looking at the time. We're still okay here. Uh, do you have like an, ex, you know, an example or, or a way that you can show us those put together? I know you, you talked about a couple of different ones with me and, and do you have one that you can maybe share that would give our listeners like, here's how you put those things together.
1: Yeah. Let me, sh- uh, I'll just share a truncated version of yeah. the story I tell often. Perfect And I'll explain to you the beginning and the end when, when I get done. But um you know, it is w- without question. I, you've you've made the introduction. I've been blessed to work with some of the great winners of our generation. Right, some really amazing champions. But I will tell you that some of the most amazing people uh, I've ever had a chance to work with are people that, even if they were in our conversation here, even if they were on our Zoom call, and their name was down in the corner, yeah. um, most people would struggle to know who they are. And, and a classic example of that is a young man named Warwick Dunn.
0: But I know who that dude is because I'm a fan of that guy. I watched him play, so I love it. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'll shut up the best I can, but I love that guy. <laughs>
1: so, so Warwick Dunn, um, you know, sent s- a handful of years ago in an NFL football game. He took a handoff and he dove into the line of scrimmage. And when he came out the other side, Warwick Dunn had become only the 22nd player in the history of the National Football League to have carried the football for 10,000 yards. Think about, think wow. about that. 10,000 yards. 5.6 miles of running. Getting knocked to your knees every nine feet and having to get up and do it again. Okay. As awesome as that number is, this number is even more amazing. Warwick then is only five foot eight and he weighs 178 pounds. Okay. By more than 20 pounds, smallest player in the history of the NFL to have achieved the 10,000 yard mark. Really? Did not know that. Awesome as all of that is, his life story is even better than that. See, Warwick was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, born to a police officer named Betty Smothers. He was the oldest of her six children, and by the time he was a senior in high school, he was so good as a little football player that every major college coach in the South had made their way to Betty Smother's couch to ask if her son would play at their university. Senior season. Games were behind him. Warwick and his mom got up in the morning. They gave out gifts to his five younger brothers and sisters, and they sat down in the afternoon with the last three scholarships he was considering, and on that day, they chose to go to Florida State University and play for Bobby Bowden. They called Coach Bowden that afternoon on his cell phone, and today Bobby Bowden still refers to it as the greatest Christmas gift he was ever given. Hmm. Two weeks and two days later, Warwick's cell phone rang. It was the Baton Rouge police calling to tell him that his mother had been shot and killed in a robbery at a bank. She was a Baton Rouge police officer and, and, and he, and, and he was suddenly left as the man of the house. He was two days past his 18th birthday and he had responsibilities Whoa. he wasn't ready for. Coach Bowden actually called him and said, young man, things are different for you than when you made your commitment to us. If you need to stay at LSU, maybe play there, we would understand no hard feelings. Oric said, coach, My mother and I made that choice together. I would never dishonor her by changing course now. I'll see you there this summer, but I'm going to need a slightly larger apartment. (laughs) Warwick Dun did. He came to Florida State, and he brought with him his three youngest brothers and sisters. And he put them through elementary and middle school while he played major college football. Wow. And he didn't just play. As a freshman, he helped lead the team to its first ever national championship. And by the time his four years were done, he'd graduated with a degree in business and finished as that university's all time leading rusher. Five foot eight, 178 pounds. The NFL draft came and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were coached then by Tony Dungy, made the choice to select Warwick Dunn with the 12th pick of the NFL draft, 12th pick of the entire draft. When Coach Dungy made the announcement, writers were in the room. They started asking questions. Coach, what are you thinking? It's the guys his size they don't last in the NFL. One writer even said, Coach, he's one 350-pound lineman away from being knocked in the next year. Why use a pick that high on a player that small? Tony Dungy looked at those writers and he said, Too many of you measure your athletes by their height than weight. He said, I measure them by the size of their heart. And by that standard, you're going to discover This man belongs in the NFL. Warwick Dunn played 13 years in the league. He finished with 11,000 yards rushing, 5,000 yards receiving. And a couple of years ago, he became the first ever African-American part owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Mm -hmm. Without question, Tony Dungy's right. Warwick Dunn belongs. Now he's a rookie in the league, signs a contract, says he's got more zeros on it than he ever thought he'd see. And he walked into Coach's office and said, Coach, I want to start a charity. Now, there are a lot of athlete charities out there, many of us have all participated in one or two probably. And I'm here to tell you, this is the single coolest charity you'll ever witness. Warwick then began then as a rookie, buying homes for women like his mother. Wow. Single moms who were working multiple jobs to keep a roof over the heads of their children. Warwick wanted those mothers to experience something his mother never did home ownership. And he will tell you that each and every time he gets to dangle a set of keys and say, today you live my mother's dream, <laughs> that the, the, no trophy can compare to what happens when he transfers those keys. Mm. And as of today, Warwick Dunn has given away 189 homes to single mothers. Wow. 504 children woke up in a house this morning that they got to call their own because of Warwick done. I don't care how you want to think about what it means to be great, right? This guy has it, right? He has it. Now, he's, he's, a couple of years before he retires, the NFL recognizes Warwick with the highest honor they give a player for his off-the-field behavior. It's called the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Yep. And as a result of winning that award, a big New York publisher asked Warwick to tell his story in a book. My good fortune is he asked me to be the writer cool. And as the two of us were working on his story, there were two strings that fascinated me. The first was that if you read all the stories about the trial of the man who killed Warwick's mother, it's amply noted that every time that man walked into a courtroom, Warwick Dunn got up and walked out immediately. Never once did he spend any time in the presence of the man that killed his mother. And I asked him about it. And he said, back then, he said, I couldn't imagine breathing the same air as somebody could do something like that to my mom. Got it. Second string of his story was that Warwick Dunn, several years earlier, one of his teammates had grabbed him and said, Young man, for all the amazing things you do, there's something that's not right. See, if you met Warwick back then and you tried to converse with him, he always looked at the ground, he never looked up at anybody. And this teammate encouraged Warwick to find help. Help's not a cool thing to get, right? Because to get help, you have to admit a weakness. But Warwick done did. He found a counselor. Within an hour of meeting him, the counselor diagnosed Warwick as clinically depressed, still living with the fallout from his mother's murder. And as a result of that conversation, she put him in in a treatment program. That treatment has led Warwick to become an all-new guy. Mm. Today he can look you in the eye, he can share with you stories he could never have shared before. And he wanted to use this book to encourage people, to tell them you can't be too big nor too small to, to, to be to to find help if you need it. So with those two strings of his more story in mind, Warwick actually came to my office for the very last interview scheduled okay. for the and I said, Warwick, I'm intrigued by this. You've never said a word to the man that killed your mother, never spent any time in his presence. But because of treatment, today you're in a different place. Warwick, if he were to walk in and sit down with us right now, what would you say to him? What kind of questions would you ask? Well, Warwick said, I didn't come to today's session thinking that's where we were going to go. I'm not ready for that. And Warwick then got up and he walked out of my office. Wow. Two days later, Warwick came back. And when he did, he walked over to my desk and handed me a notebook filled with questions. Hmm. He had set up for two solid nights asking what he would say to the man that killed his mother if he could ever go eye to eye. As it happened in those two days, a friend of mine from Louisiana, a friend who knew Warwick, had actually called and I was telling about Warwick leaving, how awkward I felt about asking that question. when my friend said, you know, that's interesting. There's a law in Louisiana. Hold on a second. He goes online, finds a story, sends it to me story is that the law there is that if you're the victim of a crime that leads the perpetrator to death row, you're the victim, perpetrator's on death row, and you fill out certain paperwork, the Louisiana Department of Corrections expedites a meeting between victim and inmate because they want victims to find closure. So Warwick hands me this notebook with all these questions, and I reach around and I hand him the article. I said, look at this, Warwick, you could actually go ask those questions if you wanted to. Well, Warwick said, it was one thing to write him down. I'm going to have to get back with you. He turns around, he walks out again. Okay. (laughs) Three days later, Warwick came back. And when he did, his first words were, let's go to Louisiana. Wow. I want to ask the questions. We filled out the paperwork. And it took six months, which I guess in Louisiana is expedited. (laughs) But at the end of six months, Warwick Dunn and I and his high school coach went to Angola State Prison. Angola is the toughest prison in America. Ninety-one percent of the inmates who enter Angola leave in a body bag. Wow. They either die in that prison's death row or their sentences are so long they'll die behind bars. And as we made our way to the death row complex, the warden came out and he gave Warwick a big hug. And he said, young man, I cannot believe you're here. We haven't had a meeting like this in years. He said, but I have to tell you that if you came here today for closure, you need to know the inmate is in a cell we've got set up for you back there. The inmate has his lawyers with him. And even though he confessed to killing your mother years ago, last night they filed an appeal with the United States Supreme Court in which he now claims he wasn't even there the night it happened.
0: Hmm.
1: Warwick, if you're going back there for closure, you're probably not getting what you came for. Warwick Dunn looked at the warden. He said, sir, I didn't come here today for him. I came here today for me. And I should have known right then it was going to be the most amazing hour I'd ever get a chance to spend. Mm -hmm. We made our way back into the cell. There was a round table in the cell. The inmate was sitting back in a corner. He had one lawyer on either side. Warwick Dunn sat down opposite the inmate. His high school coach sat to his right. I sat to his left. We were barely in our seats when the inmate started a whole new story of where he really was that night and why it took him all these years to remember it. And he's going on and on and on. And finally, after 30 minutes, Warwick Dunn closed his notebook of questions and held up his hand. He said, Sir, if you weren't there that night, let me tell you what that night did to me. So prior to that night, I used to dream about being a father, a father like I never had. I used to dream about being a husband, a good husband like my mother never had. Sir, you should know, I have spent the last four years in counseling the largest portion of it, trying to learn how to hold my girlfriend's hand in public. I am so afraid of falling in love with her because I can't lose love twice in one lifetime. Mm. Swarik said that a tear started down his cheek and he started crying. The inmate started crying. The lawyers were crying. The coach was crying. I was crying. There's just six of us sitting around a table crying. And finally, after a couple of minutes of that, Warwick then raised his hand again. And he said, sir, if you weren't there that night, I don't know why you came here today. He said, but I know why I came here today. I came here to forgive somebody. We walked out of that prison, I realized I'd go to the next twenty Super Bowls and I'll never see a greater championship moment than that. I will never see one human being do anything as extraordinary as that. We got out, we got in the van, the prison had set up to take us to the airport, and I looked back at work and I said, Work, where did you get that? So, you know what, we've done a lot in this book to talk about my mother. She was sixteen when she had me. Truth is we grew up together. He said she had a lot of she didn't have a lot of formal education but a ridiculous amount of wisdom of all the wisdom of all the nuggets she gave us. The one thing she said most frequently is it doesn't matter if you're white or you're black. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're born on this side of the tracks or raised on that one. There is one thing we all share. And that is that we all have moments ahead that will change the way you wake up the next morning. And in those moments, you get two choices. You can be bitter or you can be better. And as my child, I ask you to always be better. More done became this living, breathing example for me of what I know greatness is and what greatness can be for an organization. But you have to live out Betty Smother's message there, right? Adversity's promised to all of us, bitter or better are our choices. The great ones choose better. Deep breath, right? Yeah. So there's your story. I told you it'd be about 10 minutes. I think that's what it was. But but, Don, but
0: that's moving stuff, man. I mean, I'm glad it went long as it did because we're close on time and I feel like it's almost inappropriate for me to ask other things after that because you've taught us about stories. You gave us a story that anybody listening to this today is probably sitting in their car or walking their dog or whatever right now, going, Oh my gosh. So let me ask you this to finish on. What's the so what to finish the combination of your your suggestions and the story that you shared? Perfect. What's the so what for our, our listeners? What do we do with that?
1: So here's the deal. I generally tell that story. I'm engaged by organizations, companies to come tell that story, often when they are going through a rough patch, right? Things are not so good for whatever reason. Something has occurred or there's a challenge here or there. And what they want their... I know this in advance, right? Because I know the audience. But what I know the company needs and wants is they want the people walking out of that room to walk away saying, I got two choices, bitter or better. And today I want to choose better, right? Mm -hmm. And if they, so my, so what for them, what I want them to do, think, or feel when they're done hearing that story is I want them to commit to be better, right? And, and, and that bitter is, bitter is human nature. Bitter is easy. Better is tough. Better requires people like people who dig in deep like Warwick Dunn. Are you one of those people? Right. And so if I create the challenge right, if I, if I land the story where it's intended, and obviously I cut it a little bit short. If I were doing this for a corporate audience, I would be talking specifically about the challenges that organization has and, that I would know because I studied the audience in advance. And I would say, today you get a chance. You leave here bitter or better. And I'm going to ask you to leave better, right? To be better. So the the audience knowledge tells me what they're struggling with and why a struggle story would be good for them. The call to action tells me, here's what I want them to do when they walk out. And so the ability to kind of that, that story and all the other elements that would be in the workbook that we're going to share with your with your folks um, are, are embedded in that story as well. So um, the reason I shared it, as you said, Rob, when we talked uh, in our pre-call, was that sometimes I think the easiest way to be able to understand the power of a well-told story is actually to hear one. And I think that's a pretty well-told story.
0: We're going to end on that. We, we've run up on our time. This is one of the... F- the favorite conversations I've ever had on this show, Don, and you've given us a great formula, struggle story, plus a call to action sales leaders. You can do a lot with this, but let's just, let's wrap with that. I I, I love what you shared with us today, uh, Don, speaking personally, you've made me better. Okay. Your story hit at a time when I personally needed to hear it. And uh, for those listening, this is a fantastic opportunity that I hope you'll listen to the audio. We'll make the video available as well on my Patreon community and some other places. Um, uh, we'll we, we will share this as much as we can because your, your story and your work needs to be listened to and heard, Don. I, I, it's clear why Simon says you're the greatest at what you do. Uh, I, I'm grateful that I had this hour with you. How can our listeners get more of you? How do they connect with you? Yes, we're going to have this booklet that we're putting together. It's going to be all 10, not just the bookends, not just the struggle story that you chose you know them and, and not just call to action. You're going to have all the rest. This will be a booklet, booklet that they're going to want. It's downloadable from our show notes. We'll have it every time we promote the, the show as well. But how do they connect with you? How do they get more of you? How do they continue the conversation and pick up what you have put down? How do they do that?
1: So, a couple of things. Number one, there's website, right? DonJager dot com, um, which uh, in which there's a lot of lot lot of things available there. Books and speaking, and even storytelling workshops and other things. Um, but uh, you know, we're also uh, I mentioned earlier uh, the podcast, which uh, we just began. We're way behind. I love your show. I'm
0: going to endorse it. By the way,
1: but- I love your podcast. I've been binge listening to you. Well, by the way, uh, episode 37 is an interview with Warwick Dunn where we talk about um, his journey in this story. And episode 40, um, which uh, we recorded a couple weeks ago, is with the CEO of Disney, who talks about the important Bob Chapek? He talks about how Disney values storytelling and how they do it not just through the park experience, but through every message that they have a they have a unified storytelling message that they are constantly um, chasing in everything they do. So it's a, there's some good storytelling in those two episodes as well. But um, so yeah, podcasts, there's books, the website's probably the easiest thing, and then we're gonna, as we mentioned, offer um, anybody who if they send me an email to Don at Don uh, com and just um, put the word storytelling in the, uh, in the subject line, I'll send you the workbook and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to this. I hope that uh, folks are, are better as a result of our time together. And and I thank you, Rob.
0: He's Don Yeager. He uh, he's been helping people cut through the noise with world-class storytelling. He's been called the greatest storyteller of our time by, some of the greatest like Simon Sinek. Um, and, and I love the fact that he's helping share the currency of Kings and Queens. He's Don Yeager. One of the great storytellers we'll ever meet. Fortunate to, uh, to have met you. So grateful to have had the chance to communicate with you a little bit today, Don. And, and, and as I say to everyone, uh, I'll say it to you now, uh, even though you may not see yourself as a sales guy, but you got me today. Happy selling, man. Awesome. Thank you. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? I loved every single part of this conversation with Don Yeager. It's easy to see why thought leaders like Simon Sinek called Don the greatest storyteller of our time. But you can't tell a story if you don't have anyone to talk to. That's why I'm so proud to be working with Scipio. Text messaging is the very best way to interact with clients and schedule more appointments. And Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one I've ever seen. The tech just flat out works. It's that simple. Every single week, I have more sales leaders telling me how Scipio's text platform is transforming how they interact with prospects and how they're creating meetings that customers actually show up to. And with more meetings that hold, you'll have more opportunity to use the storytelling techniques that Don just shared with us. If you're looking to engage more with your clients and also working to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, start using Scipio. I know the team personally, and I know they'll give you an amazing experience. Take advantage of a free month with no strings, compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com and use the promo code SPRINGFREE. You're going to be blown away at how quickly the right text platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, this podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. Sales leadership is more important now than it has been any time in the previous 10 years. So much has changed. Brand new sales leaders, the most experienced sales leaders, and everyone in between. We've all had to take a closer look at how we lead our teams, how we connect, how we connect, how we engage. Every part of the job has had to be rethought. Companies have spent billions on sales training, billions more on sales tools and sales process, but those same companies have left the leaders on their own to figure out what the leadership model needs to look like. Now, while there are no shortcuts to success, you can get there faster if you take the most direct route. So if you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love the content in our community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. With my very best content and over 200 hours of training materials, you can find what you need in my Patreon community. And if you've never had a coach in your corner, now is a great time to give it a try. The greatest performers in the world in every discipline invest in themselves. So save your most, important, most precious resource, your time let me help you add some method to the leadership madness and navigate the sales leadership maze faster than you might think possible. Now in three years of doing the sales leadership podcast, we've had some amazing guests and some killer conversations, but this one with Don is one of my very, very favorites. I'll say it now and I'll say it at the end of this. So what section be sure to reach out to Don and ask for the booklet he's put together. I have it. I've checked it out. It's worth getting your hands on. It's fantastic. Now, I love what Don said early on. He said a great storyteller will hold the room, and he's right. It could be a real room, it could be a virtual room, or anything else in between. Great stories do exactly what Don said, and they keep those in their meeting riveted. So I don't have to go back and re- regurgitate this whole thing. Listen, Don had two two things for us uh, to help us get started, and then we got to get his book, and I'll give you the download instructions here in a second. But it's the bookends are where the storytellers fail most. Number one was to know your audience, right? What do you know? Go back and listen to his talk about the concentric circles. Uh, I love how he said that if you do that concentric circle uh, approach, it will allow you to ask questions you otherwise would never get to ask. And as a result, you can be of service in ways your customer would never expect you to serve. I I thought that was really, really insightful. Uh, Go back and listen to that one because – We talk about research. We talk about pre-call planning all the time. Go back and and listen to that framework. It is a killer framework. It's something that you can implement right away. And it's something that you can add to your coaching, right? You can teach your team how to tell stories with this approach that Don has, has shared. In fact, I would suggest using his booklet in one of your next team meetings. Number two was, this was the other bookend, define and be extraordinarily intentional with your call to action. I love that word, extraordinarily intentional. You know, what do you want them to do, think or feel? And I loved the visual of knowing how to bring a story in for a landing. You know, he he talked about don't be subtle. Use stories to make direct asks for what you want them to do, think, or feel. And whatever you do, don't take off with your story without knowing how you're going to bring it in for a landing. The purpose of the story is to get people to act as a result. And I'm not going to add anything else. Other than to suggest as strongly as I can for you to get Don's booklet, to connect with him, to follow him, and maybe, just maybe, to learn a life lesson rather than a sales lesson this time. I love the story and the lesson on better versus bitter, okay? Better or bitter is something we can all learn from. Life hits everyone hard, some harder than others. We can choose to learn, and we can choose to move forward, or we can choose to hold grudges, and we can choose to look backward. And if all you get from this episode today is a resolution to choose to be better rather than bitter, you'll have a better life, and you'll be a better leader as a result. Now listen, it takes a lot to shut me up. But this conversation with Don and the way his story, he told that story today about work done, it did it. You know, it's such a great example of why storytelling tell, story is so freaking powerful. It can get you to lean forward. It will get those people you work with to lean into you, to choose to let down their guard and soak in what you have to say when they realize that what you're talking about is relevant to their situation because you know them and you finish with a strong call to action, a deliberate and intentional call to action as a result. Don, my friend, your story landed with me today. You brought that thing in for a perfect landing. Your message when you shared it with me was one I needed to hear. I haven't stopped thinking about it since you shared it with me several weeks ago. So thank you for sharing your storytelling framework with our listeners. You had me with the bookends, and I cannot wait for our listeners to get the rest of that workbook from you. Now, to all of our listeners, if you want the rest of Don's book, and I'm telling you you want it, please send an email to Don. Here's his email address. Don, D-O-N, at com. So it's D-O-N, at D O N yaege com with the subject line of Sales Leadership Podcast Storytelling, okay? Make sure you send that email to them. Put that in the subject line that you refer to the podcast, and they will send it to you right away. So don't delay. Send that email to Don. Do it right now. Make sure you're writing that email down. Send it to him. Pull your phone up. Hit him right now, okay? And and, and then get a storytelling framework, and then connect with him on LinkedIn. Subscribe to his newsletter. Listen to his podcast podcast. You'll be a better leader as a result of consuming what he has to offer. If you want the video of this conversation I had with him today, go check it out in my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. I'll have the entire video there and I'll have a few of the video snippets as well. This will be stuff you can use inside your next sales meeting. Thanks also to Scipio. If you haven't done it already, make sure you head over to Scipio.com and take advantage of their free one-month trial by using the offer for yourself. Communicate with your prospects the way they want to be communicated to. Find out all about it by using the promo code SPRING FREE and then watch your results change faster than you may have thought possible. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, head over to iTunes and give us a five star review. It goes a long way in helping me continue to get the best guests in the world on our show. I'm going to finish, finish by channeling John, Don's story. Here's to being a little kinder. Here's to forgiving a little faster. And here, most of all, is choosing to be better rather than bitter, because if you do, the sun will shine a little brighter on you, you'll be a little happier, and as a result, you'll be able to create a little more impact in the lives of those you lead. So choose to be better instead of bitter every single day. Be elite, live strong, and live with passion. And whatever you do, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at JEPPG.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.